0: Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy!
1: Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out
2: I felt old today because Radiohead released a remastered box deal of Kid A and Amnesiac together because it's a 20-year anniversary. Uh (laughs) That shit came out when I was a senior in high school, I think. And
0: I feel old. Kid's like, what's a radio? (laughs) Who has just a radio?
2: But I'm not going to lie. They did a good job of it because there's not like 100,000 songs in it like a lot of them are. They'll have these deluxe reissues. Beatles, Neil Young, all this stuff. And then it's like <laughs> 85 songs. It's
0: like now you get to hear all this shit we decided you shouldn't hear the first time. It's like you left it out for a reason, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was good, though. I mean, the, the yeah,
3: third I mean, uh, kind of disc or whatever is great. All the new stuff. I mean, the new releases they put out yeah. are very cool songs. It's just more it's, good, Radiohead. Because it's outtakes and cool songs from like one of the most prolific times in their career. You know, so it's not like new, like, hey, we wrote this new song. It's like this stuff that was. Born in, the, in all that kind of genius they were tapping into.
0: But let me ask you guys this because I feel this way sometimes, and frankly, I feel this way with Radiohead. The Radiohead I love is I'll, I don't need any more Radiohead. I don't need any more tool. <laughs> There's a few bands I'm like, I'm good. I don't need any more of that. Yeah. Do, do y'all feel that way? Like, no, do y'all ever feel no, that way? I'll like, take it off. Like, I don't need any more chili peppers. The chili peppers I like, I don't need any more silly peppers.
2: It sounded like you just said, I don't need any more silly peppers.
0: That's what I said, silly <laughs> <laughs> um. What I want you to give it to your mother? What I want you to give it to your father?
3: Oh, um, no, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, but like I don't need any more Chili Peppers. I don't need any more like there's a few. I don't need more. I don't need
3: need them mailing it in any bands. But if Radiohead wants to, uh, like, (laughs) literally mail it in,
0: like, just take all the (laughs) shit they put in before and just mail it out. Like, no,
3: I don't want a cash grab. But if they're still making art, I'll I'll take it all, man. I'll I'll take some more Radiohead. I'll take more Chili Peppers. I'll take more Silly Peppers.
2: Like you know, you can find an an occasional singer songwriter or or like solo artist that'll do like a really good late. Life album you know Bowie probably Comes to mind as like the most recent example With the uh, dark was it was a dark Star or,
0: or yeah something or Whatever uh, I, but that album
2: up. was amazing And but bands Tend to not who, Whose 10th album is any good You know like name, no,
3: name there's one not band many Who tenth has 10th album but you know Like there's bands that'll take a 10 year break And still come and you'll be surprised That they still got it
0: That they came back at all
3: Give me an example. Uh, Green Day, The
0: Strokes. um, Don't
3: Green
2: Day American Idiot. We've already been here, done this shit. (laughs) American Idiot was and
3: is a great album. American Idiot. But
0: but (laughs) what album number was that?
3: Um, it it, well, it was like it was a good decade after Dookie, so there wasn't there wasn't much great stuff in between.
0: For me, it just annoys me when I hear a band like or whatever I hear a song. I'm like, why is this? Why am I listening to the song? Like, what? Like, why did you? You know, this isn't. It's not great. Like we all know this is a great fucking like. No one thinks this is the truly great song. Like, why are we? Wait, why? But back back in the day, you had the album know, I mean, system. You had to have an album. Now you don't have to have an album. You can just do singles. It doesn't matter. You would
2: hope that they're excited about it. You know, when they put it out, it's not just oh, I have this contractual obligation to put out some music. Yeah, so yeah. This is what I got. <laughs> but sometimes it sounds this is, like this, it. Is, or we need some money. Uh, mailing, or we need something
0: mailing to tour it behind. In. Why is Neil Young writing? Like he doesn't need to do that.
3: because he likes. If he's, he's a an songwriter. Artist. You can
0: write songs. until you die? He's not trying to like well, shove them down I knew your that, throat. He's but just, You know what I mean? I'm asking kind of rhetorically. Like, I think because he wants to create. Like, but you don't have to record him and release oh, it. I to think everybody.
2: I think that was a bad example, Neil. What are you talking about? Of someone not trying to shove them down your throat.
0: Neil Young had a lot of albums no one needs to hear. And he in the lot.
2: last like 20 years, he's gone on tours where he's like is like not playing the hits and playing Greenpeace. All the way through, or whatever, Green Earth, or whatever album he came out with at the time. So, yeah, there's some guy like McCartney. You know what you're going to get when you see him. Probably, I'd assume the Eagles if you go see them, or bands like that. They're just like, all right, we're going to play the hits.
3: But, yeah, you know, no, Neil you Young's sh- you like,
2: Let, you're going to hear my new album, and then maybe, uh, maybe you know, a Cinnamon Girl at the for an encore.
0: Unless it's like Van Morrison or Dylan. With them, you don't. Know, but Dylan, you don't know what the fuck you're hearing.
2: Yeah, but to be fair, I've seen Radiohead a few times, and and, and uh, I've seen them since you know their last couple albums. They hew to the to the songs you want to hear for the most part. Like they have enough good songs to where you'll be like, Ah, I didn't hear well, that. Yeah. Um, but they're not just like, Here's eight. Here's eight of our new songs. You know, they'll throw in like two or three of whatever their new album is, and then the rest is yeah, old or oldies but goodies. Yeah, and they
3: just have a vibe that is a lot of their stuff seems very dissonant. Like they almost like didn't want us to like it, but we all like it anyway.
0: <laughs> I think my thing with Radiohead well, is if I'm not loving what I'm hearing, they're kind of annoying me. Do you guys
2: prefer Kid A or Amnesiac? Which one?
0: Well Kid A was the Kid A. Amnesiac's kinda of like the same sessions, but they put all the Kid A stuff out first. Yeah, Kid A's better. The Kid A has better songs. But I like the more I might like more track on Amnesiac. Idiotic, optimistic, how Isn't to disappear it, completely. Idiotic- I don't I don't tech. Tech. I Everything in its right
2: it place. Yeah. Idiotech, whatever. Idiotic uh, motion picture soundtrack. Idiotic, whatever. I,
3: idiotic. Idiotic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but but amnesiac is more of just a straight up vibe. Oh, did. Put this on in the background. It's just it's almost like ambient music but song. On the re listen today, I'm not gonna lie, Life in a Glass House may be the best song of both those albums. Well,
0: apparently Android's the best album though, so it doesn't matter about those albums like Well
2: hmm. Okay okay computer, I mean, yeah, okay, but. What I mean, yeah. Life in a Glass House. I just don't remember gravitating towards that song when I used to listen. I honestly didn't listen to Amnesiac yeah. that much when it came out. I was super into Kid A.
0: I think it's the same sessions, right? Like they did this stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could tell it. That's why Kid Amnesiac with like all that's basically <laughs> yeah. like the whole and session. I, I like how, how so, they right? did
3: the, the kind of title art too, because they, they almost mixed the words together Kid Amnesiac. 'Cause there's still a little space in between the yeah. A and the M. It's like kid Anesiac.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they got you know, hopefully they go on tour. I was I was curious if they did that to kind of tour to give them something to tour behind. Because a lot of bands I feel like are just going on tour right now to make money for like their crew, the road yeah. crew who's been yeah. out of work for sure. the last year. Sure. Right? True, I don't. With, uh, and that would be a fun tour to to, yeah, to see. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, if they're focusing really on the kid, yeah. And songs.
3: speaking of them touring, and you don't need any more Radiohead. Did either you guys listen to that new York Greenwood collaboration, The Smile? You'll never work in television again. <laughs> 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 I sent it it's to cool. you today. I mean, I sent it to who? Yeah, yeah, yeah Josh? No, I listened I listen to What's it What's that? I sent it to both
2: of you No, you sent it to, said, Oh, you did? I yeah. didn't see
3: it But anyway, it's very garage rocky Like, uh, straight ahead but, Did you just say both of you's? I did Do you say no, that normally? No, that just seemed like a ton okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't <laughs> you say pay, use guys You to You guys You're getting I,
2: that, you're getting that Maryland, Maryland. So <laughs> funny The Maryland Mafia coming out in, in, The Maryland right Mafia
0: Radio haters, it's like I always think they're like like at first they were like Anakin Skywalker and then they just evolved into Darth Vader like cause at first have guitars and they're playing and now they're just like is this a computer program or is this a I don't know what the fuck I'm listening to anymore and they just emerged <laughs> into like the Matrix
2: I would argue that it all coalesces beautifully in what I think is their masterpieces in yeah. Rainbows yeah. I think what? everything that they did yeah, early I mean, career yeah, that's my favorite and album the is. Kid A stuff and in Rainbows is like Wow, this is just well the the best thing, like the best of both worlds for me. Yeah, that is them.
3: my favorite album. And to my point, really? how I always bring up the way you roll out an album, I thought that was genius how they just, you could buy it for whatever price you wanted on their website. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was thinking about yeah. that. That was such a. But what'd you
0: do? You paid 18
3: bucks and it was 25. I so paid like 20. Uh, I put 25 and I ended up being 30 something because it was pounds. <laughs> it's not like I was like, <laughs> God damn it, now I can't eat. <laughs> Now you,
0: you pay devil. You're like, I just fucking take it. <laughs> I was thinking about that. The pounds. Damn
2: it. You should have gotten some outtakes for that well, extra. Maybe I will knowledge. in twenty years. I will one more note on re-listening today. There's a couple songs in there and I don't I can't remember there's one there's a some heavy smashing pumpkins vibe on a couple of the songs on there. I'm not sure if it's because his voice and Corgans kinda sound similar yes. in
3: some songs. Yeah.
0: I'd say they're well. They the, have
3: dynamics, big dynamics, big dynamics. Yeah, the way they sing, the dark nature of it, they can get really distorted, fuzzy mm-hmm.
0: guitars. I've been watching some old school Smashing Pumpkins concerts, and I feel like a dumbass cause I remember at some point in high school, just somebody randomly was like, "Yeah, Smashing Pumpkins aren't any good in concert." So in my mind, I just wrote, "I yeah, guess I just I never even." And I've been watching some old school footage of them in concert, man. Like, it's, it's, I mean, he can be pitchy sometimes, but it's fucking awesome. Like, there, I really. I think he's one of the most underrated guitar players. Yeah, really full. No, no one ever talks about it. he. He does too.
3: He does too. <laughs> he's right. He talks about. He's it. He's right. Well, I think <laughs> he, he just sold off a bunch of his equipment on reverb. I couldn't um, afford it, but not. But he's a really? great, very Hendrixy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, well, on that note, <laughs> I think Johnny uh, was throwing you a softball there.
2: The, you were listening to Pod gave rock and roll to you. Speaking of Jimi Hendrix, this week. We are talking about Wind cries Mary by the Jimi Hendrix Experience, a single from 1967 written by Jimi Hendrix and produced by Chaz Chandler and released on track and reprise.
1: Wow, the in the boxes. And the clowns of all
3: Well, I absolutely love this song. I would definitely say it's in my top 10 all songs all time. And just as a guitar player, I'm you know obviously mesmerized by Jimmy and what he did and just his songs. But I think stuff like this is what it's all about. I think to a lot of people, he's just a lot of noise and feedback and loud blues. But this side of him is just really what makes Jimmy what he was. Is just a complete artist. And just, I, just the song, it's it's very sad, sweet, but also like this psychedelic kind of like, like a lot of his stuff. It's always a little psychedelic, but it is a very s- sad song. And you kind of get that. You get his pain in this song. It's a great intro. The whole thing is very unique. Just the whole package from the performance to the lyrics to... Just the the guitar solo. I think it's all really outside of the box thinking. I think it is one of those grand inspiration songs like uh, we've talked about before. It kind of just, to me, it, it ascends to a to a new level of song as an art form.
0: It's definitely, you know, unique. It's one of those things, as Neil was saying, you haven't heard anything quite like this before. And I think because of all the rock players, all the big rock players, more than any of the other ones, like Hendrix had a, a big R and B background, yeah. That Clapton and Jimmy Page and all those guys didn't have, and it comes through in songs like yeah. this, where you know he, he could he Hendrix could have played guitar at Motown, mm-hmm. you know. Clapton would not have been a good fit at Motown, mm-hmm. but like Hendrix could have been because he's like a, that R and B, soul vibe on top of the stuff. But then you know you mix in just some good songwriting, and then like. It's weird. You can make a case that there's not an inherent psychedelic thing to this any more than there is, you know, all Hendrix to some extent, but, like, yeah. it's just... It's almost, like, in the the personal, like, abstract nature of it. Like, it's, you know, it's something... There's such a emotional component to it that feels unique and, and definitely could be... Um, it's almost, like, mystical, yeah. which you can associate that with, like, psychedelics, well, yeah, that kind just of the, stuff. Like, but, the
3: traffic lights turning blue and just kind of how everything's a little different yeah exactly
0: and so between him you know obviously being kind of the pioneering electric guitar player after chuck berry and like muddy waters whatever um you know i think it's pretty much unassailable and then there's a cool key change in the solo bit which is fun it just works real well on on a lot of levels on multiple levels um yeah Mm -hmm. so
2: i had the best of hendrix album when i was i don't know I can't remember if it was mine or my mom's, and you know I've always had a soft spot for this tune. It, it, unlike a lot of his songs, I think that the the lyric is very beautiful. His his guitar sounds really nice behind it. I tend to enjoy his ballads, "Angel," "Little Wing," come to mind more than a lot of his rockers because I just think song wise they're better. They aren't just carried by his talent and like the. Insanely creative, original sound that he was he was putting out in a lot of the the rock songs. That, like you said, Neil, a lot of people associate with distortion and stuff like that. But this, yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite songs by him. It's it, it's it's oddly calming, like a calm like mm-hmm. it, it calms mm-hmm. me when I when I hear it. And like you can really sink into it. It's meditative, but it's always in motion. And you know, even though the lyric is about but it's kind of fatalistic. It, yeah. I mean, it's it's an historically great tune.
3: I think. Josh, were you disappointed that I chose a Jimmy song that you actually like? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I like a lot of Jimmy songs. I just think like I listen to Are You Experienced today, and I'm just like Jesus Christ. There's like 20 songs I like about I don't know, eight. You well, know, it's good. just a bunch of like flowery l- 40% bullshit that. You know, with some great guitar on it, but you know that when he when he hits, he hits. Mm-hmm. And and in this song, he hits. My favorite part of the song is oddly for a Hendrix tune for me is the lyric. I just think it, it, his kind of flowery,
3: yeah, Uh
2: mystical stuff. That's a good way to put it. Really works in this song. He has some really great lines in this
3: song. He can get a little too trippy sometimes, but this really kind of all makes sense in a way.
2: I.E. Third Stone from the Sun.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: but You don't buy a Ferrari for the fucking trunk space. (laughs) That song is not about the lyrics. Uh, Uh, I think this
2: this song is about the lyric.
0: This Mm -hmm. one is, but I'm talking about Third Stone from the Sun is fucking sick. Yeah, Yeah, it is. What are you talking
2: about? For another pod episode.
3: Uh, (laughs) Blasphemy.
2: I just think in this song, the descriptions make sense to what he, It's not a bunch of just fucking oh, yeah, 60s very, right, gibberish. Sure. You know, like, right. flower, power, love, baby, gibberish. For sure. Everything kind of works well together in the song. You know, from you can hear happiness kick, kicking on down the street. And there's and, something
3: about... Even though it's not the strongest, there's something about the first line. After all, the jacks are in their boxes. It's just a cool way to start a song.
2: That line is it, it's fine, but it's nothing without the two that follow it that really just work well with that line. And the clowns have all gone to bed. Mm-hmm. You can hear happiness staggering on down the street. <laughs> so good. Footprints dressed in red. I mean, that's... And the wind whispers, Mary. Yeah, I mean, you can... You, are that's they big great red clown shoes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did someone just murder someone? <laughs> is that, someone is just walked through a crime
1: Pennywise?
2: scene? But I mean, and even the second verse I think is better. You know, a broom is drearily sweeping uh, yeah. up the broken pieces yeah. of yesterday's life. Somewhere What's a queen a- is weeping. Somewhere a king has no wife. That's a really nice. And, and the wind.
0: You think that's just coincidence? What? The king
2: and the queen, like no, I mean, I think that I think, think he's they're... the king. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's like
0: they they, that they weren't they weren't thinking of each other. This is two entirely different people. Yeah. This is this people. is
2: this is
1: the king of Estonia and the queen of totally South
0: Totally coincidentally, yeah. they happen to be having these issues. His wife was dead somewhere. A king has no <laughs> wife. Uh, it has to mean just like, the She died. Queen's weaving, but it, but it is yeah. it,
2: it's it's odd in that way because there's not many Hendrix songs where you're like, all right, let's let's talk about the lyric here because that's the most important part of the song. Because in yeah. my opinion, like his voice is what you like like. His voice is that you don't go to Hendrix for the the trunk, or you don't buy a Ferrari for the trunk thing, Jonathan. I mean, it's like well, you don't. No, but at the same Hendrix. time,
0: no one else sounds as good as he does singing
3: mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. yeah, not,
0: at, not no, at all. not
3: at all. His voice is great for what it is. It's unique, and he perfect for what it does. Yeah, I mean, no one
0: else sounds nearly as good as him singing. And I any don't of songs. think
2: that the lyrics are I, the, wait 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 I, I think that's because the, the songs don't sound as good without his otherworldly guitar you get, like, behind say you it
0: get like Kenny Wayne Shepherd and some guy playing it it doesn't sound but, as good the,
2: because the guitar sounds cheesy as fuck behind it mm-hmm. and
0: it's tough wait, to I mean, get past I it I mean but right but the fact but even then I mean like Stevie Ray does a pretty good verse I mean like when he, he does uh, Voodoo Child and stuff it's pretty he sings it well yeah. So, yeah. but so, but but still, his voice, like I said, no one sings but, this song. It's like Kurt Cobain. No one's gonna sing Kurt Cobain. Another letter handed guitar player from Seattle. But you're, you sing his guitar. Songs, my point is songs,
2: this, well and songs. we'll get to this when when we're snuggled up under the covers later on. But. No, there are no good no. covers of no. this song. but And I think it's more because you just can't reproduce the sound. I don't really think it has anything to do with the voice.
3: But you, but you there are guitar players who can play that shit. It's not impossible to... Jimmy, the voice and the guitar, you can't, you really can't get all the way there. And and as far as the voice, it's so unique, his delivery, because it's all about the swagger and attitude. And you can tell, like, he's in this world, you know what I mean? Everyone else is just kind of saying the words. The timing, right, right. Know.
0: Right, absolutely. Absolutely, and and to that, as I do like the lyrics a lot, but like I just like the overall subdued nature of the. It's such a sigh. It's just like a, (laughs) just yeah.
3: The whole song just sounds like a a, little bit. Like it has a little groove to it, but the lyrics are so. Oh, it's groovy. it's
0: it's, it's contemplative, but it's definitely like it's
3: very fatalistic. I mean, he's like going
2: to like this is like the worst is gonna happen. You know, or you
3: didn't see it as he like was getting over it. Will the wind ever remember? I don't know. Whatever. On to the next.
2: I mean, it moves from whispers to cries to screams. <laughs> Back to cries. Well, so it, he's definitely not in a good place.
3: Will the wind ever remember? That's after scream, yeah. right? Yeah. So he's kind of, he's, he's given up in the end. Like, okay, fine. But it's not like,
0: it's, I don't know if it's fatalistic. It's just like the end of a relationship. It's like a relationship. It whispers, no,
3: this will be the last. Yeah like, what do you mean? <laughs> no, no, you have a, you have a <laughs> he's point, like, Josh. this is the end. What well, am I going to no do? It.
2: he's
0: dying. He's
3: just I understand, just but just fatalistic
2: no. means also, it doesn't mean just de- death. It also can mean like you, you're taking it to the most extreme worst thing it that can happen. Right at
0: that moment, but that's how it always feels but, in a breakup. And up. that's why this lyric is what? so
2: effective because it is, he's what? taking you to that moment. Of,
0: yeah, but then there's always another. It's, one. it's just
2: a, this is a snapshot. I don't, I don't find much hope in the lyric of this song, but the music, like you said, Listen, you do kind of is, just fall into it, and it's like a sigh.
3: So yes, it is. Fa- he's giving you hope in the music, away, but not the lyric. <laughs> All right, but in in that whole little thing there, we lost the most important part, which. The whisper cries screams is one of the coolest parts of just the, the lyric as a
1: the That's
3: probably my least favorite part. Really? Would you you just wish you wish he said whispers every time? It almost seems
2: like something he could have added after he'd written the song. Like, ooh, this will this will change things up. It almost seems forced
0: to me. All
3: right, all right, but, fine, you know, fine. It's just, it's just it was speaking to just, your fatalism. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay,
0: okay. So, so just just for clarity. So, to your point, I may have very well been misinterpreting. But let's just so fatalistic means relating to or characteristic of the belief. That all events are predetermined and therefore inevitable. There's a certain inevitable element to this, I think. So I could see that, yeah. So in that sense. Cause, but yeah, so there is a certain, like, time passing is what it is. Can't, you know, you just can't do anything about it vibe to this song, which certainly, yeah. I think. So yeah, I was thinking of fatalism or whatever. And so, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah.
3: But I, I do think the most important part is the music. I think just the, the nature of the yeah. melody and the the, sound, the vibe is so strong in this song. Like, is that that's what the, it puts me in a place. Absolutely. Like life in slow motion kind of song when this comes on, because I just enjoy it so much. And even though it's meditative and it kind of is like a sigh,
2: it is, it's moving. And I think this is just Hendrix in general. It just feels like he's moving. It feels like he's walking while he's doing this. And we should point out, Jimmy Hendrix experience is Jimi Hendrix guitar and vocal, Noel Redding on bass, Mitch Mitchell on drums.
0: Oh, well, I was going to say one thing too that's very easily overlooked with Hendrix and it's one reason, I mean there's a lot of reasons why no one sounds like him, but a big reason is Mitch Mitchell, the drummer yeah. is like so dynamic mm-hmm. and he was really yeah. a jazz on this kind song of guy too.
3: It's, and it's crazy, it's so specific. Oh, especially like he, there's not really much of a beat, he's just kind of playing to Hendrix. Yeah.
0: Right, the gaps. The spacing, like that's a, a, it's a very easily overlooked thing. Noel Redding wasn't even technically a bass player. He was actually a guitar player, but they just couldn't because <laughs> he, he looked the parts. So yeah, he did he could, fine. You know, he figured it out. But Mitch, man, really, like, the stuff he did really, really added to it and made it. Think about it, just like with, we've talked about Chuck Berry in the past, that like. Swing uh, jazz thing that his drummers always did. Mitch Mitchell's is almost like the next generation of a guy who's a jazz guy, kind of like Ginger Baker or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or and and then played rock and roll with this this psychedelic vibes It's really cool. Yeah,
2: and and mentioning Chuck Berry's and and mentioning that he's just and that Mitch Mitchell is just playing to Hendrix. Uh, one thing I always hear when I hear Hendrix, and again, not a technically savvy guy when it comes to this stuff. It doesn't it doesn't even sound like there's a rhythm track here. It just sounds like Hendrix is kind of just doing some yes, like he is. exceptional noodling that <laughs> stays with that stays with the song. Well, and um, there is a pattern to it, but one that I guess only him and Mitch Mitchell know. And Noel Redding.
3: Yeah, it's just his ability no, to I mean, like be able to play almost the rhythm and the melody and the solo and that he was so talented in being able to carry all that sound with just one guitar.
0: Well, what he'd do is, like, he would play lots of parts of the chord. Like, he wouldn't just play, like, okay, here's an A chord. He would play, like, different part, different notes out of that chord at different time. And if you do that, you can outline it. And you get a – it's like a – it's like very nebulous, but it's still there, right? Like, it's not, like, clunky chord playing. Yeah. And and, and it comes from that R&B. It comes from uh, Curtis Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from Steve Cropper, who played in all the um, Otis Redding things. And it's that, well, it's R&B guitar. and bass, s-
3: too. Him hitting bass notes with his thumb.
0: Oh, oh, using on his on his fretting hand.
3: No. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, on his, yeah, fretting hand. So yeah. what you're yeah, saying his, is he had hand. huge hands. <laughs> yes, he did.
0: Yeah, he, he did. And, and that's one thing he did with that is by letting him play the lowest note and then the chord and then have another finger to kind of mm-hmm. like do bits and pieces. It. It's from the, very much from the r and And
2: speaking of his huge hands, just a side note. Take a visit to historical hogs.
0: Also, a, a giant cock.
3: <laughs> I,
0: I did not need to think about that. Yeah, I've never, I've never known that tidbit. A, Thanks. I've never, I've never. There's a
2: a sculptor uh, a website sculpted no a sculptor <laughs> sculpted his 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 dick like in Europe somewhere. There's this.
0: I think they had a mold. They're making molds of mm. of 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 yeah, went, which is. Neither here nor I, there.
2: I did a. I did my only term paper in high school on Hendrix, Morrison, and Joplin all dying at 27, and there was a chapter in this book I read about him, a complete chapter about his dick. So, What
0: was that fucking book you are reading? I don't know. It was a Jesus. biography of Jimmy great Hendrix. Great cocks of history.
2: <laughs> Mouthwatering dicks of the 21st century. history of, <laughs> history, of great, <laughs> the 20th century. history of legendary cocks. <laughs>
3: Abridged. <laughs> Abridged to historical hogs, Um, the book. Uh, (laughs) have you read the book, man? Like, the movie is
0: fine, but the book, the website is great, but (laughs) the the book, book.
2: (laughs) (laughs) the the Hendrix chapter, the language is very flowery. Uh,
0: Uh, historical hogs, the novel. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: let's get back to his guitar playing. So, now, do you have to pick one or the other—the solo or his just playing throughout the song—or because it's like it's pretty. This song they come, they come in very tentative.
0: It's that pacing at the beginning and the way the the, the cymbals stop. It goes doom doom. Yeah, dum. yeah. You know, it's, it's such just, a unique. Yeah, it's all intro great. there. Yeah, he's playing what's called inversions where the the root note of the chord is not the lowest note. Mm.
2: Nice. Thanks for that music lesson, Johnny. And then somebody to give you. One. And well. I, I, I need one. I need one <laughs> daily, hourly, mi- minutely, mm-hmm. minutely. Uh, now, and then we get to the solo. What do you guys think about this? It's, it's tight, and it's, and, and it's memorable.
3: It's one of my favorite of his of all time, just because it's so unexpected. I don't know. It's just nowhere near the melody of the song. It's just, it's its own thing. And it's very punchy, too. You know, he's in and out. He does that change that you brought up earlier, Jonathan. Like, it's really beautiful to start. And then it kind of, in a way, kind of changes key, gets a little more badass, a little more rocking, just for like a couple measures. And then back to the little just pull offs yeah. and stuff. Well, it, it's- it was
0: cool because he changes, the solo starts in a different key. And then within that, then he changes and he transitions back to your point, back to the original mm-hmm. key. And really what he's doing there is the genius is actually in this, in this chord progression of the section. And then he's just playing over each chord, which is something that like you did there again, you didn't hear a lot of rock guys doing. Then they would just kind of get into like a minor pentatonic blue scale and play where he's literally there again, playing over each chord. And it's just structurally very sound mm-hmm. like the way, because yeah. the song is in F and then he, yeah. uses S, F as the five, and uses puts it in B-flat.
3: There's no wasted cool. parts to it at all. No.
0: Yeah, it's just, and it's very, like I said, it's all very, and from a music theory point of view, it's a lot of fun. Like, this song I really like, I use to teach folks a lot about, like, music theory. It's yeah, really cool. and just,
3: I mean, I remember learning it when I was a kid, this solo, like, because it definitely, it was one of those ones, like I said, it was so unique and so unexpected, like, when... When you finally learn what he's doing, it's so rewarding, and you're like, "How did you think of this?" Is it technically difficult to play? It's not super easy. It's not super hard, though. Um, it's unorthodoxed, you know. I mean, I guess it is now. It's part of like how you play guitar, but it's because of songs like this, you know. And is
2: he doing the same, basically the same thing in the outro?
3: Yeah, like, it's I mean, all—it's all just riffing on that on the same little ideas. But even the outro, I love the outro so much. Because I could listen to them vamp on that for like a lot longer. Because it's such a, it just keeps going to different like places and kind of slightly different notes. And you can hear Hendrix just kind of making it up as he goes, you know, and and just the genius of none of that was really planned. That's just kind of how he plays. Just (laughs) genius. And the wind cries Mary
2: well, you know that they, they did it in 20 minutes. They recorded this in 20 minutes.
3: It's crazy. Um, I came at the
2: tail end of the session for and, fire.
3: Uh, the uh, the rhythm section didn't even know it.
2: <laughs> yeah, they they were just like, All right, oh, cool. Okay. And then he and then he did about four or five overdubs.
0: So Hendrix was in New York just hanging out and playing, here and there. And Keith Richards' girlfriend saw him, and then tried to get a bunch of managers to check him out. And then it wasn't until Chaz Chandler, who was in the Animals, saw him. Yeah. And was like, you should come to England. And he's like, well, come if I can meet Eric Clapton. And anyway, he did not it all worked out. But what I don't understand about Hendrix is like, I guess he had these songs in the, like, I just wonder how many, because like you said, there's like 18 songs on his debut yeah. album and the other two albums came out within two years. Like these songs just came out of fucking nowhere, man. That's ins- now that's well, not not like exactly yeah. because yeah.
2: he was perf- he was performing elements of the song with uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy J- James and the Blue the Blue. Yeah. see that's yeah. would be. I'd be
0: yeah. curious. See, would be cool to hear a version, but I hadn't there. heard that.
2: I would assume, because you know, he was a touring musician, I would assume he was working on his own shit that entire time. But,
0: what's cra- right, but it's just wild that he showed up with that many fucking songs yeah. for his first and, album.
3: true. And to just be like, hey, we have 20 minutes left in the session. Do you have anything else? Like, well, how about this? And then it's, that's the version. And they almost released it right away. They were like, this is amazing. It was his third single, which I hadn't realized before. It was a B-side to Purple Haze. It's just insane because then there
0: are stories about the Beatles all sitting around listening to that album when it came out, being like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> it mm-hmm. is. It, it's is such awesome. a
2: it's such a different sound. I mean, this this song itself sounds like more. I mean, it sounds closer to a, you know a typical song that you would hear at the time. Whereas like some of the other shit on the album is just right. kind of, "What the fuck is this?" I'm not saying that in a bad or a good way. I'm just saying a lot of it is is like, what the fuck is this? This is out of this world. Do you
3: like Are You Experienced? uh, Oh, that's so good. I'm pretty ambivalent about that song. Oh,
2: my God. That has my favorite guitar note of all time. The kind of like weird trucking guitar he's doing in that is cool, but the rest of the song is like, Like,
3: yes, good word.
2: It's like noodling in the best way. He he does the best noodle. Well,
3: it's not a noodle. In my mind. I think he's a bubble. Just in noodling. terms of the amount of noodling notes being technically, hit. Technically, but it cannot have the noodle tag. I mean, I I guess maybe maybe he noodled, well, from actually time to time, it's, but most of it was uh
0: think of it as he's just chopping up the chord, like he's just he's he's just defining the chord in a less and more abstract way. He's not just sitting there playing. But that's not noodling. That's just
3: you know, it's R&B guitar play. It sounds kind of raw the whole thing. Even you can hear like the the hissing of the tape you know what i mean throughout it it's just it's like that's part of this whole like kind of capturing well the
2: the one thing i would say about the album though listening to it in headphones the mix is not it, it the mix is unnerving sometimes like how much weight how much weight is on the right and left hand side it and i think they're trying to maybe it sounds better on better headphones but man the the set of wireless earphones I was listening to today it was just like, oh god, what's happening right now? Not in this song, but in other songs in R.U. Experience. Yeah, they definitely do a yes, lot of panning yes. shit back and it, forth. But, like, not well. <laughs> it just seems like it's off for a little while. Um, and, uh, speaking on speaking of being off for a little while, I think it's a vibe time portion of this podcast. Cue the music in three two one He's back, baby. He's back. <laughs> He's back. Uh, <laughs> uh, Neil, when do you want to hear?
3: Well, as I stated, it's top 10 all time. So definitely anytime. But if I were to think of something specific, the only thing I could think of, because I, I do love it so much, and it would be like you mentioned, Josh, a meditative kind of. I was almost thinking of, like, a, a solo hike in the snow. Just, like, a, a beautiful moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Neil, at one with nature. I'll,
3: I'll go off of that. I mean, I,
2: because of the meditative aspect, like, taking a walk, um, or, or, like, very specific, in the car at night, mm-hmm. driving like home like <laughs> through the city. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. with the lights passing, they're like, it's dark, I'm tired, I want to get home, this song comes on. The city, like the You down, fall
3: asleep, run off the road. And
0: fall asleep, run Traffic off the road. It's blue. Uh, the, the it's like Homer always going down the road and suddenly he's like on a bed and he's looking, there's other beds.
2: <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's an airbag and
0: <laughs> <laughs> screaming
2: exactly. in pain as he's yeah. changing keys in the solo. Bree uh, cries, Josh! Jonathan, when do you want to hear When Cries Mary?
0: Mm, this isn't. I don't know, man. It's it's definitely, I mean, what you guys are saying about, you know, the city at night and stuff is definitely cool. To me, it kind of has a, almost like Chuck Berry's Wee Wee Hours. It's definitely like a late night song. Yeah. I mean, it, it works almost like in the morning and stuff too, because it's such a, a gentle nature about it, but it's definitely a, it's like isolation and stuff with a groove. Yeah. Right? Which is, which is very, it's tricky to pull off because it's like. It, that's where I guess the mystical qualities mm-hmm. come from. Well, so, uh, yeah. so I'd say late night. So,
2: well, speaking of late night, <laughs> it's perfect uh, for once a perfect segue <laughs> into our under the influence uh, section of this podcast. Uh, Neil, what uh, give us some influences, brother?
3: Uh, well, we've talked about it. Uh, R and B, Curtis Mayfield. I mean, I but I think in some ways, like a lot of Jimmy songs, it's a unicorn. Like it definitely is a very unique. You know, it's most similar to some of his other kind of fatalistic songs, Castles Made of Sand and uh, Hey Joe and stuff like that, that are just these, like, sad tales, but just so beautifully done.
2: Yeah, I, you know, breakups, Mm -hmm. influenced by a a breakup uh, or argument, Mm -hmm. a fight he had with his girlfriend, Um, the invention of the electric guitar. I think the song was in... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then moving forward You know You got uh, You got uh, Jack White and John Mayer Definitely took a lot From Mm -hmm. In their ballad songs From from this Jonathan
0: The thing is like Mayer got it second hand From Stevie Ray (laughs) And
3: Stevie Ray Yeah yeah I mean tell me I'm wrong (laughs) John Mayer's new album I didn't realize It was named Sob Rock
0: (laughs) Aren't they
2: all
3: Sob Rock I mean at least he's Transparent (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, at least he's he's leaning into it. Mm-hmm. Jonathan influences.
0: Uh, yeah, those things, as yeah, you guys mentioned. I mean, but you know, I know mean, he was a massive be- uh Dylan fan, and you know, yeah, obviously, the, the Beatles, as we've said, influenced you know influence kind of everything. And I think it opened the g- gate for music like this to be in popular music, as you were saying, a lot of R and B, uh, and I mean, you could definitely. Feel the acid in there Like there's definitely Like that shit Would not have happened The acid reflux LSD Uh, (laughs) You know And I think also too I mean You'd have to think Just like The nature of his life Being very Transient And Very Everything very serious Right like he didn't He left home And didn't come back Yeah Like when Mm -hmm. he was like 18 And so like It was a very it's, It's a heavy song There's a lot of weight to it It's not it's not just like, I'm going to sit in the fucking corporate boardroom and try to write a hit song today. song. It's a real song. He's like, I'm going to mm-hmm,
2: put on mm-hmm. these fucking bell-bottoms. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to work.
0: <laughs> I'm
2: going to work. <laughs> grab, grab three packs of cigs and some bell-bottoms in <laughs> its own. Okay.
3: Jacket with fringes.
2: Spe- speaking of uh, three packs of cigs and some bell-bottoms, why don't we <laughs> snuggle up under the covers for a little while and talk about the covers of Wind Cries. Mary, Jonathan, how many did you listen to?
3: No, that's a shame.
2: Neil, how many did you listen to?
3: There's so many failures. <laughs> so many. Oh my god. <laughs> um, geez, where do I start? Uh, well, I'll start with the good. Uh, panic, not too terrible. If I went to a panic <laughs> Look show, at you. if I went to a panic show and they played that, um, I would, I'd be like, damn. I'd be talking about it later. Like, damn, that was nice when they played that Jimmy song. Um, <laughs> You're like, bro, when and then played... Uh, like Mary. I listened to Seal doing it pretty good, pretty cool, acoustic. Just the best of this this terrible group. but like
2: I, I, I have a list, and at the top, Seal.
3: At the top of...
2: Seal is the, is the best. best version okay, good, of this song good, I good. found. Yeah. yeah, I'm
3: glad we're in agreement there. Um, and the worst is guitar players Sam Bora and Eric Johnson. <laughs> like, the Eric Johnson one is um, just no, like, I, it's no... <laughs> And uh, yeah, I don't know. Pat Boone, that was pretty terrible.
2: Did you did you say Sambora without saying Richie?
3: <laughs> Richie, Sam- yeah, it's Richie.
2: It is so passionate and cheesy.
3: Oh my god, it's so like <laughs> oh, so many failures.
2: There is Sting does one that is so like ninety. Doesn't he only Sting-ish. sing like one
3: line in it? It's just it, almost it, an instrumental.
0: It, it, <laughs> it's a question.
2: It's just pointless. This. It's just pointless.
0: Let me ask you guys this. And like I said, no, everyone has their preferences, so whatever. But like, how the fuck does it happen where you have, you know, a, a widely recognized, you know, good if not great artists like Sting and in a fucking studio with a great engineer and everything's the fucking best. The song's the best yeah. and all this shit's the best and then it comes out like what the fuck well, is this? How does how, how, how does that happen? I
2: think um, they are way, legit, they, they're surrounded by yes men at that point. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, and there's just nobody on their creative level around them, so it's like, this is great. I just good never job. understood well, that,
3: Jonathan. Like you've talked about, like a, a good marker of a good song is if any if anyone can do it. But this is a rare. It's the performance. It's Jimmy. Like you almost. It's tough to do it unless you're you're Hendrix because it's so specific and but, kind of nuanced.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or unless yeah, I mean, you want to do a funk groove version like Mark Ribot. And really, oh, yeah. really well, make me turn, make me turn, press fast forward as quickly as possible.
3: I saw this girl playing it on YouTube on a Les Paul, just tearing it up. Her name's Laura Cox. It was awesome, like shit. Like I couldn't believe her tone and just kind of the execution. When I go to play this song and learn it, I'm gonna watch her play it and learn it off. Nice, um, Laura Cox. And shout did out. Did you um, did you see where? Miles Davis had a version of this, but not really, kind of loosely based on it, called based Mademoiselle on it. M- Mabry. Um, uh-uh. But it's weird, man, because the only thing it really takes is like the boom, 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 but it doesn't even, it even <laughs> fucks with that. It's kind of like boom, 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 ba da 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 boom, boom, boom. That's fun. <laughs>
0: See, that's why I can't listen to oh, shit. Like, people well, just clearly don't understand what makes the song the song. Well, it's Miles Davis. Like, I, just, I
3: mean, he can do what he wants. Right, but like... He's <laughs> like, Miles, baby. You know, uh, he don't care if you like Miles, it or not, man. man. <laughs> <laughs> it's Miles. All right.
0: right. It's just, it's, which is fine, clearly, but it's just weird. I mean, how can you take a great song and fuck it all up? Well,
3: yeah.
2: I mean, um, it's
3: a very loose interpretation.
2: I'll tell, I'll tell you how you can take a f- song and fuck it all up. Wearing the wrong pair of shoes that day. So, Neil... Why don't you tell us how the shoe fits
3: Uh, for when cries Mary fits it it fits and it fits like a brand new pair of shoes. Um, I don't care the style, but it's always nice when you get a brand new pair of shoes that fit well that you know you're going to like and wear a lot. Um, So yeah, this is like the best of the best shoes. It's the best (laughs) best around. The best around. Nothing's ever
2: going to bring them down. Hell no. Uh, Jonathan shoe fitting when cries Mary.
0: Um, it fits like those cool pointy black boots everybody wore in the sixties. Nice,
2: nice. A Underneath seat. a n- tight pair of uh, cords, cord, cord bell bottoms.
0: I don't know what this fantasy you have about bell bottoms going is. Right. <laughs> well, now well it now.
2: includes those pointy boots you were just talking <laughs> about. Uh, <laughs> um, I, you know what the song fits like? It feels like a comfortable walking tennis shoe.
0: what are the tennis shoes that aren't meant for walking.
2: I'm mean, like a comfortable like I'm, I'm gonna take like a nice like 30-40 minute walk mm-hmm. Like a tennis shoe that I got a little I got some padding some Dr. I got Scholes some up like in there. comfy sides Yeah, maybe some shoals Maybe just sliding some shoals on, in there And then just, you know Reflecting, meditating
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Maybe I feel bad But I'm also calm About <laughs> it's it. Okay. It, it It's
3: gonna <laughs> be okay It's gonna be Okay
2: R-E-L-A-X And on that note our cover of Jimi Hendrix The Wind Cries Mary
1: After all the jazz are in the boxes and the clowns have all gone to bed You can hear happiness staggering on down the street Footprints dressed in red And the the broken pieces of yesterday's life. Somewhere a queen is weeping. Somewhere a king has no wife. It whispers no
0: cover you just heard was performed by neil marsh and josh bond thanks for listening to pod gave rock and roll to you please subscribe and rate on apple or spotify you can find us on twitter and instagram under the handle at Podgave rock next week is josh's week so josh what will we be discussing
2: we will be discussing crimson and clover by tommy james and the shondells
0: can't wait <laughs>